Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health podcast. We aim to inspire and educate our listeners through engaging conversations on all things health and fitness, mindset, business and philosophy. My name is Martin McPhillamy and I'm your host and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, thanks for... Thanks for thanks for jumping on. Uh, really, just um, I guess at the very beginning of this, just uh, I wanted you to introduce yourself because I know that maybe over the last couple of years there's been a bit of a transition from just going to a fitness health coach into a, a specialist role into helping women with the cycle sisters. And you're saying earlier that's that's taken off. And I just want to know kind of what the what the aim with that where that came from and what the aim of that is really before mm-hmm. we delve into topics about menstrual cycle and, and female health. Yeah. So I've always had this. Um, my background is personal training and, um, I always had this kind of, I intuitively tracked my client's, um, menstrual cycle without actually knowing (laughs) the science behind it. I just knew that this thing happened once a month and I knew that it impacted women. And so I tracked it and, you know, I would change their training if they, they would come in and have a one-on-one session with me and I would ask where they are in their cycle um, and then I would, you know, adjust their training how, how they, to how they were feeling. You know, if they were feeling like they were just about to get their period, then maybe we would, uh, we would avoid heavy lifting um, and, um, you know, every, every client, every woman was different. So I started this eight years ago without knowing any of the physiology behind it or anything like that. It's just very intuitive. And then um, probably about a couple of years after that, I started doing my own research. And back then there wasn't that much. It's only of recent years that there's books coming out and there's amazing naturopaths like Lara Bryden doing amazing uh, research on um, the menstrual cycle and menstrual cycle dysfunction and then like all great things that have happened in the past 18 to two, 18 months to two years with COVID, I really tried, I really stepped into this um, women, I call myself an a integrative health practitioner, women's integrative health practitioner. And that's where I take my kind of training and my personal training background and the nutrition, and then I integrate that with health, gut health, um, the menstrual cycle. And then... When we're looking at the menstrual cycle, we can't just look at the menstrual cycle alone. When we're looking at dysfunction, we need to be looking at other areas like gut health, like stress, um, like the thyroid, because, you know, as you know, um, Martin, the body doesn't work alone in one, you know, compartment. So, um, yeah, it's just looking at all the cogs in the in the. Okay. Thanks. That's a, you know, a, a nice summary. I think uh, there was two things that you mentioned there, and I want to delve into to, to both of them. Obviously, the menstrual cycle itself. I really want this conversation to to be able to resonate with some people who might not even know what it is. So, for example, my partner's uh, thirty two years to thirty one. She's going to hate me for this. Thirty one or thirty two years old, and. Um, Yesterday I said, she, what, uh, what phase in your menstrual cycle are you? And she was like, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think many, uh, well, that's just a, uh, perhaps a, a thought from that, but there might be many females out there who actually don't know what the phases are. And there was something that you put in your content the other day about inner seasons as well. And I was like, yeah. okay, I have no idea what it is. So if you could take us through the menstrual cycle, what inner seasons are, and then we'll go on to what men- menstrual dysfunction is as well. Yeah, awesome. So the menstrual cycle is made up of four different phases. And in those four different phases, 
there's hormones that are forever changing and um, I'll, I'll, I'll take you through those phases. Now, it's not uncommon for women not to know this because we're never taught it at school. And I really do think that this should be part of, you know, our sex education. Basically, we're told as young girls that we get this bleed once a month, just avoid getting pregnant. And so there's that fear monger of having this, this cycle and that it can, you know, all it's going to do is get us pregnant. And we can only really fall pregnant six days of our cycle. So we're only, you know, we're only fertile for, you know, 24 to 48 hours, but sperm lives on for five days and that's why we can be fertile for six days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so um, we're not fertile for that long, but the fertile window window is usually six to seven days. So the menstrual cycle, we have our our period, which is our bleed. And I just want to do a little disclaimer here. If you're on contraceptive drugs, you do not experience a menstrual cycle. You're experiencing either a pill bleed or withdrawal bleed um, from that synthetic drug. Um, It's not a natural menstrual cycle. So for those that aren't on any contraceptive drugs and they're experiencing a menstrual cycle, you have your bleed, which is your period, when you have your period your, your, um, or leading into your period, your, your hormones are pretty much flatlined and that's why women, most women feel lethargic because there's no actual hormones that are, you know, ebbing and flowing in that part. And that bleed can last from a normal bleed is anywhere from two to seven days. Anything over seven days is a little bit of a red flag and anything under two days I'd be looking at, you know, why it's under two days and what the actual bleed is like. Um, because the amount of blood that they lose and the colour of the blood can say a lot as well of, of, of overall health. And then as we come out of the bleed, we then go into the follicular phase. So the follicular phase is when we see this rise of oestrogen. And this is where a woman is feeling like she, she's got a lot of energy. She's more like a man in this part of her cycle than she is, you know, in the second half of her cycle. So this oestrogen is is amazing for energy. We have the ability to recover quicker in this part of our cycle when we're training. Uh, Our appetite is, um, it's not as, we're not as ravenous in this part of our cycle because estrogen um, does suppress um, appetite a little bit. And also we can tolerate carbohydrates a lot better in this part of our um, cycle. So we're more insulin sensitive in this part of our cycle, whereas in the second part, we're more insulin resistant. And then once we get this kind of follicular phase, we get this spike of estrogen, it's on the rise. We then see uh, a spike in uh, follicle stimulating hormone and we also see a spike in luteinizing hormone. And that luteinizing hormone is probably, uh, it's important because without this uh, spiking, we we won't ovulate. And so it's really important that we have luteinizing hormone. So once luteinizing hormone spikes, Uh, ovulation occurs and ovulation is the release of the egg and after ovulation and the release of the egg the where the egg is released from we then form this thing called the corpus luteum and the corpus luteum is super important because that's what produces progesterone for women and progesterone is so so important it's like a super uh, a super hormone it's our and the reason why it's so important is that it is our own, but like it's our body's own antidepressant. It's a very calming hormone. It's our body's own anti-inflammatory as well. So it can, you know, it has all these perks. 
And so when I'm running into menstrual cycle dysfunction, I see a lot of women not ovulating and that's why they're running into menstrual cycle dysfunction. Okay. And so we only have access to progesterone and estrogen in our prime reproductive years. And as we get older, our estrogen starts to slowly decline. And then as we go into perimenopause, our progesterone just plummets like that. So I always say to women, have, you know, uh, get these amazing hormones while you can <laughs> because they are, you know, progesterone has been shown to have um, huge, uh, you know, positive impact on cognitive function. And um, it's been shown in research that women who don't ovulate or who have been on the pill are more susceptible to things like Alzheimer's because they, they haven't been exposed to progesterone. Okay. So it's a super important hormone and um, it's, but it's really hard to ovulate for women. So, and that's because stress gets, you know, stress, whether it be physical, emotional, um, uh, like environmental stress can impact ovulation. And then after ovulation occurs, we then go into what we call the luteal phase. And the luteal phase is where women struggle the most usually. I mean, it's not, you shouldn't, the side effects and the PMS that we talk about, um, it's not normal. It's common, very, very common, but it's not normal for women to feel these various symptoms. And so what's happening in the luteal phase is that we see the spike of progesterone and we see a little bit of a spike of estrogen. And then as we go back into our bleed, it then goes back down again. I um, hope I've explained that okay. <laughs> no, that was that was great. So obviously we're... So and it's it starts the, all over again. Yeah, so it's the progesterone and the and and the the, the the increase in the progesterone and the estrogen that's actually helping with the ovulation, and then post ovulation it it, all, it starts to come down again. That's where the uh, the line of the uterus is then obviously taken away through, through, through the bleed, and that's where the egg is. Yeah, being, so is yeah, so estrogen away. is the most the dominant hormone in the first half of the cycle, and yeah. then after ovulation occurs, progesterone is made um, yeah. after ovulation. Yeah, I think I did a, a post on research. Uh, they were looking at the levels of estrogen and post progesterone at, in, in, in yeah. you know, sleep, and I think it was the progesterone levels that were causing uh, more stage three sleep. Those who had higher progesterone, which makes sense with the antidepressant-like uh, effect that it yeah. has, and also with the mention that you say later on in life, where people uh, females have less progesterone, uh, that it was very common for me to see 45 50 year old females who all of a sudden get real poor sleep and they're like what's going on yeah. and there's even potentially links with sleep apnea as well occurring around that phase especially with um uh, a pre premenopausal uh, yes. uh, thing, things going on in, during that period so that's hormonally makes sense to me so yeah um what is kind of you said you said it's not normal to feel all these different symptoms. So what kind of symptoms are you talking about and what kind of would be the normal physical and emotional changes throughout the, those phases for, that women would, should, should expect and ones to maybe look, look out for? Yeah, so common, uh, common things that I see with women um, are, and they're not normal is things like severe cramping that lasts for more than a couple, you know, a couple of hours. If it lasts more than a couple of hours and it lasts days, then that's not normal. Um, heavy bleeding is not normal. Light bleeding is not normal. Um, headaches and migraines are not normal leading into your period. 
There are changes in your your gut and the motility, like progesterone does impact motility um, in for gut health, but you shouldn't have super loose stools or you shouldn't get constipated, which is another common thing that I see with women. And um, what's another one? Acne is another one. So hormonal acne, I see a lot of um, mood swings, severe mood swings, like, uh, you know, I, I've seen it with women, like just this feeling of hopelessness or depression and anxiety is another one in that, in that luteal phase. Um, so my first thing whenever I'm working with women is I make sure that they are ovulating first. So that's my first thing that I look at. Okay. Yeah. And obviously with, with that, those sort of, um, there's an array of different things that could be occurring there. Um, I don't, if you want to touch on just a few, I guess, similar things that they should be maybe monitoring or, or changing their life or how do they monitor the, other than those emotional feelings? Is there any way physically they can monitor things? I know there's apps that people can use where they can be checking weather in certain phases. Um, is there any recommendations that you would give around that? Yeah, so I, I guess the first thing is like women just need to get educated on the menstrual cycle first and then start looking at we as a woman we have our own i mean we're amazing like it just blows my mind the biomarkers our own biomarkers that we have that happen around ovulation and in the menstrual cycle that we can use to predict our fertile window but also to understand that we've ovulated as well so just before ovulation we will create this uh mucus it's called cervical mucus and it's like um, egg white. So it's like, um, that's the best way I can explain it. You, it, it, It's kind of like a plug, like it'll come, come loose and you can hold it in your fingers like this and it'll be stringy kind of egg white. Okay. And so that's a sign that ovulation is about to occur. And then we use cervical mucus and then we use our basal body temperature. So after we ovulate, our basal body temperature will usually go up by about 0.3 to 0.5. And this kind of confirms ovulation with our cervical mucus. Our cervix also uh, changes position throughout our menstrual cycle as well. So when we ovulate, our cervix sits quite high. And then when we bleed, our cervix uh, sits quite low. And estrogen and progesterone play the role of moving the cervix. Yeah. Um, it's just it's fascinating yeah. and it's starting so to make sense these... when i've it's starting to make sense when i've heard people say oh, it's, 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 my, my partner or other people say it feels like it feels different the people in yeah. it's like what they're feeling um yeah. my partner's just currently coming come, come, literally it's her first month off the the contraceptive pill so it's like i think there's obviously a lot that's going to be changing and going on in their body that she's all of a sudden gonna and she's starting to feel a little bit anxious of it already and this is one of the, yeah. also one of the reasons why i did want to talk to you so she can listen to it after and i know that you've got some solid advice um so yeah sorry i interrupted you where, where you're at with there and so yeah do you want to yeah so you, they're the kind of they're, they're, they're the kind of biomarkers that we can look at, um, you know, to understand where we are in if we're in our fertile window mm-hmm. and also just paying attention to our moods and emotions as well. So moods, uh, emotions, they do change throughout our cycle, but they shouldn't be kind of um, extreme, if that makes sense. So in our follicular phase when estrogen is quite um, high, I kind of call this the masculine part of the um, cycle because it's a very doing part of the cycle. We're high energy. We are communicative. We're social. um, We can give a lot. 
Whereas in the second half of our phase, I call this the feminine part of the menstrual cycle, this is where we need to be um, just more in flow and Mm -hmm. more uh, nurturing to ourselves. But this is the part where women get hard on themselves. That inner critic comes out a lot harder for women in this time. This is when women, usually speaking, they start to pick holes in themselves because their body does change. They might start holding more water or, um, yeah, they, they feel a bit more sluggish or they don't feel as uh, strong in the gym or something like that. So women tend to get a lot like really hard on themselves in this part of the cycle. But when you know what's going on, I, I feel like women can be more empathetic towards themselves, more compassionate with, you know, what their body's actually doing. So yeah. that's the kind of way I like to like to break it up. I say that estrogen is this yang hormone and progesterone is this very yin hormone and we need both of them. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, the book Men Are From Mars and Women From v- Venus sort of kind of. Um, yeah. I, I read that maybe four years ago and I, I learned so much about females from there. But would you, you know, as a, the ideal partner, as a, the opposite, would you say that when a what mm-hmm. female is in her feminine, then the male should be more in his masculine to try and balance that out between a relationship to try and, or would you say that if a woman's in a feminine, the male also should be in that, in that, in that zone as well? What, what, is there any, have you, have you yeah, thought about I've that at all? I've, I've never thought about that. Um, I don't think that, I, I, I think that women should communicate with their partner where they are in their cycle because uh, men can, you know, be more compassionate as well and empathetic towards their partner um, and um, understand where they're at, that, where mm. they are at. So I, I've never really looked at it um, how a yeah. man should kind of, if he should change as such, but um, yeah. I think definitely the communication needs to be there with your with your partner because once you communicate with them, if you snap or if you kind of are more assertive and directive, you know, it they'll know that, okay, she's, you know, this is where she is in her cycle. Um, for me, I've, I go inward and it's definitely a time to go inward for a woman in this part of their cycle. Um, and I don't think women do that enough. It's a very reflective reflective time I like to use my my bleed as a reflective time um, on the month that's been Um, and I think a lot of women don't honor that and that's why we run into things like burnout and and menstrual cycle dysfunction so um, yeah did that answer your question (laughs) yeah no that's uh, look I I had a question the one of the very last questions I was going to ask is how, how how can I be more supportive as a partner sort of thing so I think I just as a someone who loves physiology, I already know when when my partner's bleeding, I kind of count the weeks or the seven days in my in my head, and I kind of know. But if, even though she's on yeah. the, the contraceptive pill, was on the contraceptive pill, I'm like, okay, well, every now and then I'll be checking in, and now she's off it. I'm checking in to make sure that you know we don't you have unprotected sex when she's at yeah. the most fertile and things like that. I'm just yeah. aware of it and I'm stands. I'm communicating that with her to to kind of educate it a bit more as well, but um. You mentioned earlier on a little bit about uh, insulin sensitivity around certain periods and that increases and changes and how exercise can increase and uh, no change and how you would program a female's um, uh, training around and nutrition around those sort of things. Is there just a couple of things? So obviously insulin sensitivity is related to carbohydrate intakes. So mm-hmm. there's always discussion about carbohydrates 
because it gets blown up like all the macro, macronutrients are said that it's bad for you. And it's it's not, we know that the carbohydrate is not itself, but we know that insulin sensitivity plays a factor in weight gain and, and, and how, our, how our bodies are going to react and f- tiredness and fatigue and things like that. So um, maybe just touch a little bit on how you would slightly change someone's training and slightly change their nutrition in just a couple of other phases and or, or just where they can differ completely. That'd be, um, yeah. that'd be amazing. Yeah, so with the, uh, I mean, women are going to tolerate carbohydrates better in the first um, half of their cycle, but that's not to say that you would change the carbohydrate intake in the second part of their cycle because the central nervous system is impacted quite a lot in the second half of the cycle due to the stress uh-huh. and the changes of the hormones. So we still need carbohydrates then, We that, but we just may hold more water or we may look puffier, if that makes sense. But that's not to say that I would ever alter someone's carbohydrate intake in that second half of the phase because we know carbohydrates can help with things like sleep as well and sleep sometimes gets heavily impacted with in that luteal phase the only time i would look at altering Sorry, i'm laughing because my, my partner's she's in that phase and she's not sleeping too well at the moment i was like it just makes sense yeah <laughs> yeah get those carbs get those slow release carbs before you go to bed um that's what i kind of like tell my clients to aim for um but also um where was i going with that I don't really change carbohydrates. The only time I would change carbohydrates is if someone was had PCOS because PCOS is driven by high amounts of insulin. So uh-huh. polycystic polycystic ovary syndrome is uh, there's there's a couple of different uh, couple of different types of PCOS, but the main one is insulin resistance. And so we need to look at I I would never fully take away carbohydrates from a woman, but I would look at maybe potentially timing of carbohydrates, lowering carbohydrates um, a little bit for that that woman. So that's when you would maybe play around with carbohydrates a little bit more uh, for someone that has PCOS uh, with other things as well, like supplementation. Um, But we do we do tolerate fats a little bit better in that luteal phase. So um, you you can play with it, but I don't like to play with nutrition on a week to week basis with women. It's just, it's not sustainable. It's not, um, it's, you're already stressed. If you're in that luteal phase, you don't need (laughs) added stress to that. So um, yeah, but, but with that comes training and exercise. And so what I say to women in the first half of their phase this is where you want to be hitting PBs in the gym. This is where you can take volume intensity to the next level. And then once you come into the this luteal phase, every woman is different. I can I don't change my training whatsoever in my menstrual cycle. Yes, I may be sweating more or I may feel a little bit weaker and my grip strength goes, but I still I can still hit PBs in that luteal phase. Um, I also have been training for a very long time, so that may that may be part of it as well. And I'm very in tune with my body. So, but for those women that need to pull back in their luteal phase, this is when maybe you might pull back on volume and intensity. So you still might do your workout, you just might change, you know, volume, intensity, that kind of stuff. Um, and uh more like you always want to be focusing on recovery but maybe focus a little bit more on recovery in that luteal phase so um in the first half put your foot on the you know on the gas go for it on the second and the second part of the cycle 
just be mindful. I, this is what I, I give women the, the tools to connect with their menstrual cycle and then they become uh, empowered to make the choices of how they train and how they eat. So, Of course, you don't want to you know, have to feed them everything all the time. And also, it, it, again, it's about intuition. It's about learning about your own body. It's about uh, have, be, being aware of it all the time. So you, you're in tune. Mm-hmm. Like you say, you've, you've been training for uh, how long you've been training for? 10, 15 years? 15 probably yeah exactly so like yeah. you when you go into the gym you, you you're so in tune with knowing exactly what you're able to do that yeah. uh you, you, you hardly have to really think about it other than just looking at your programming or you, your, what your programs your coaches programmed you where but if yeah. someone is n- never paid attention to the phases of their menstrual cycle and what that does emotionally physically like to, to their nutrition their bloating their symptoms like they have no idea but if you yeah. if you've done 12 8 12 weeks, 16 weeks of coaching, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're left to go off on your own. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's potentially it's life-changing stuff that you, you, you're doing now with women. So Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I have a prime example of a situation that happened with um, someone like two weeks ago. She was two days out from her bleed. Um, I have given her a program. <laughs> She's meant to follow my program, but she did this YOLO kind of workout the day before her deadlifts and it was a strongman workout that she did and so she was two days out from a period she did this strongman uh workout and then next day she did a deadlift session and she hurt her back Ooh. so and and she had bloating and she's had gut issues as well so i'm like okay <laughs> you know where are you at in your cycle? Lo and behold, she was two days out away from her bleed. Um, she had a shit night's sleep. Um, she hadn't fueled her body well. She'd been drinking alcohol as well. And, you know, all these things that kind of make training hard anyway, if you've had bad sleep and alcohol, she, on top of that, she's got uh, low hormones as well. And, um, yeah, so she's in a world of pain at the moment. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, these that's, things happen it's it's very it's very common and then you i always ask a woman when she gets injured where is she in in her cycle and yeah it's usually it's usually around uh just before the period um also it uh it can ha- happen around ovulation so there's been lots of research about um like acl uh injuries around ovulation because there's that change of hormones and it causes laxity in the joints as well and in the soft mm. tissue so um there are common uh, injuries that can happen around ovulation as well yeah okay so that's why it's you're backing off slightly with the volume intensity maybe uh cutting back a little bit during that phase because just reducing reducing risks yeah, I mean, it again comes down to training age and yeah. uh, experience, I think. Um, but yet, yeah, that it can, you know, ovulation, uh, you can be more susceptible to soft tissue injury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. All right. So I wanted to move on to, uh, I wouldn't say a controversial uh, subject, but the controversial contraceptive pill in general. Um, obviously, yeah. uh, I don't think there's been too much education from GPs, doctors when they hand it out and i know that my partner's been on it since the age of 13 and she's now 30 31 or 32 and um it's like wow okay have you ever really had a no a true menstrual cycle sort of thing and uh, what are the risks i guess um with it what's your opinion on it what's the science say um and then we'll delve into coming off it yeah 
So um, I'm not a fan <laughs> of um, birth control, uh, whether it be the pill, whether it be the implanon, um, whether it be injections. There's so many different types of things. That said, um, I do understand why women go on it because it's scary, you know, as uh, being a woman and, and not wanting to fall pregnant, um, you know, you want something that is going to be, what's the word? It, it's, it's, there's no risk at, well, there's a risk with it, but you know that it's going to work and you're not going to fall pregnant most of the time. And so I understand why women want to, want to go on it. What I don't understand, and I wish that doctors would get more educated on it, is that hormonal birth control is being used not for birth control but for fixing uh, hormone issues, and that's what I have a, a very uh, strong, you know, I, it's a problem. So when a woman comes to me, I always ask her, you know, why did you go on birth control to begin with? And more often than not, it's not because they were trying to avoid pregnancy. It's because they were having hormonal issues at a young age. And that comes with implications because when a woman is first menstruating or starts to experience her first menstrual cycle, hormone imbalance, hormonal imbalances are actually quite normal. And so those hormonal imbalances are heavy bleeds and irregular cycles. And this is when doctors are putting them on birth control, but this is when the brain is communicating with the ovaries and it is maturing that pathway between the brain, the hypothalamus and the ovaries to signal to release certain uh, hormones to then produce estrogen, progesterone and ovulation. So it's, it's shutting down that communication pathway and it's not allowing that communication pathway to mature, which can take up to five years. Wow. And so from what I've read, I, I'm still trying to find research to back this, but I've, I've read it, uh, but I need to look into this a little bit more, but I have heard that it takes five years to mature. Um, so there's that. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's why that woman went, oh, so sorry, I was saying, so the irregular circles and the heavy bleeding is usually because a woman, when she first starts menstruating, she's not experiencing ovulation. So she's so estrogen thickens the lining of the uterus and progesterone thins the lining of the uterus. And so if we don't have progesterone and we're just getting that thickening of the uterus, when we shed the, the lining of the uterus, it's quite thick and heavy because progesterone doesn't, it's not there to thin it, but that's normal for a, a young woman. It takes a few cycles for her to start having a ovulatory cycle. And she also might experience long cycles. So like a normal cycle is 21 to 35 days, but a woman, a young woman who is first menstruating, it can be, it can be 45 days, it can be 50 days. And so that's normal, but doctors are saying it's not normal um, and then putting them on these drugs to, to, to regulate their hormones, which blows my mind because these, these drugs aren't regulating hormones. It's suppressing hormones. It's shutting down luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone, and then our ovaries aren't producing estrogen and progesterone. So it's actually shutting everything down. But it gives us this bleed 20, every 28 days. And so when a woman is bleeding, she thinks she's having a period if she's not educated on actual the menstrual cycle. So this, this pill is being over kind of prescribed for the wrong things. So yeah. 
Yeah, yeah so it's, yeah. it's almost—it's almost like uh, uh, puffers for asthma and uh, for sleeping pills for sleep problems. It's like, 100%. Yeah, okay, this issue could be related to your hormones. Uh, the teenager gets upset. The GP just literally wants them to give them something to get them out the door again and get the next person in. Yeah. So it's like, hey, well, this is just a common thing we do as GPs. Everyone does it, so I'm going to do it for you as well, and not without really assessing the situation. Um, yeah, another common one is skin for women as well. So, yeah. you know, they start getting acne and so, hey, we'll put you on the pill because the pill suppresses our sebum oil production and as well as everything else and their skin clears up and they love it. And I, yeah. I get that because it can knock your confidence, but we know that skin is a sign that something else isn't quite right, you know, going on inside. So, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, Coming off it, if you've been on it for a long period, what sort of things should you be mindful of? Like the the skin thing you're talking about there, should you be worried about like getting acne again and stuff like that? What 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 would you watch out for in terms of not things that uh uh like I well number one things that might happen but not to worry about, and number two things to be mindful of that could be a little bit of a concern. Yeah, so. Don't be concerned if your cycle doesn't go back to normal for the first three months, three to six months. It can take time um, for your cycle to regulate. In saying that, I came off the pill and fell pregnant within four weeks. (laughs) So there's that side of things as well. So, um, you know, every woman is different, so we need to treat women um, as individuals. But what I do recommend is that uh, you get blood work done. And by getting the blood work done, we can pick up on nutrient deficiencies, um, which nutrient deficiencies that are common with um, with taking birth control is things like B vitamin, uh, lack of B vitamins. Uh, I say that a lot. Uh, magnesium and zinc gets depleted heavily by um, by OCPs. Um, selenium is another one. Um, and yeah, we need to be replacing these these nutrients and and making sure that because these nutrients are vital for reproduction and to be ovulating, and so we need to replenish our body. And then some something if you if you went on the pill because you had heavy bleeds or you went on the pill because you had acne, it's probably going to come back because the the pill has just masked what it's a band aid. So if you went on for your skin, I can probably guarantee that it's going to come back, if not tenfold, like it's probably going to get worse. And so you need to still uh, address underlying uh, potentially nutrient deficiencies or gut health issues as well. So why did you have acne in the first place? Okay. That said, you can support your, if you don't want to come off of it straight away, like I have done a protocol for a, a lady before where we've supported her, her with zinc and um, we've supported her with magnesium and B vitamins and then three months later she came off the pill and her skin, because she, she went on it for her skin, and so we've kind of supported her with some of these, these nutrients um, and then she came off the pill and it was nowhere near as bad. Okay. Is there, is there like a, is there like a a time frame? Say if someone comes off it, um, and like, when would you expect to start experiencing these sort of things again? Uh, Or say if you got to month three and you're okay, is that like you're in the clear that like, just, I guess, well, you've, you've said something that could be quite, someone might listen and go, Oh crap. Like I'm just going to go back onto the pill again. Um, I guess to kind of clear that to make someone maybe feel a bit more uh something to be more aware of yeah 
So your cycle should definitely start to regulate like three months, the three-month mark. I'd be looking at, you know, yes, I'm getting a regular cycle and I'm starting to ovulate. Anything after that I'd be a bit worried about, like I'd look a bit deeper, dive a bit deeper into blood work. If it's um, skin, I've had a few different scenarios with women. So some women have come off the pill and immediately started to get like this cystic acne around the jaw. Um, and then I've had a lady also that's been off of it for three months, had three cycles, had her skin was fine, and then boom, her skin got really bad, and um, she was, ha- and then and then lost her period for six months. Okay. So it, it really it's, so it's hard to say. It's so variable. Yeah, it really does come down to to the individual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's just something to for, for people to be mindful of, and if they know that they come across that experience, then to reach yeah. out to yourself. So, um, look, I think that's been a, a highly valuable conversation for me and for for many of the women out there. So we'll, we'll we'll end it there. But with people who do want to reach out to you, um, or how they can find about your coaching, where 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 would they need to to look and how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. Um, my business name is called Cycle Sisters, so at Cycle Sisters. And, um, yeah, you can uh, reach out via my Instagram. Um, in The link is in my bio. And, yeah, but I just I try and keep that very educational, uh, my Cycle Sisters page. And um, I also offer a, a eight-week online course, which is um, – it's just basically education on women's health. It's, so it's not just the menstrual cycle, but it's also gut health and, um, you know, the feminine and the masculine energy and living in alignment with your values. Like all of these things come into, uh, you know, and, and perimenopause and menopause. Like women are very cyclical beings. We are forever changing. And, um, yeah, it's just a course where I just um, educate women to hopefully empower them to uh, connect with their cycle and get to the, the root cause of their PMS. So, Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's no wonder it's, uh, you know, it's taken off for you and, it, it, you know, you're obviously doing a, a grand job at it. And it's also an area that needs more, uh, knowledge and education around. So I appreciate you yeah. for, for doing that for the women out there. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks very much, Faye. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank As you. As always. And, um, yeah. uh, when I'm back in Perth, I'm sure I'll catch you. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> All right. Take care, man. See ya. <laughs>